0: and if there's a choice remember my voice my lullabies rise in your mind
1: Zoe. One sunny, crisp Saturday in September, when I was seven years old, I watched my father drop dead. I was playing with my favorite doll on the stone wall that bordered our driveway while he mowed the lawn. One minute he was mowing, and the next he was face first in the grass as the mower propelled itself in slow motion down the hill of our backyard. I thought at first he was sleeping, or playing a game. But when I crouched beside him on the lawn, his eyes were still open. Damp cut grass stuck to his forehead. I don't remember calling for my mother, but I must have. When I think about that day, it's in slow motion. The mower, walking alone. The carton of milk my mother was carrying when she ran outside, which dropped to the tarred driveway the sound of round vowels as my mother screamed into the phone to give our address to the ambulance. My mother left me at the neighbor's house while she went to the hospital. The neighbor was an old woman whose couch smelled like pee. She offered me chocolate-covered peppermints that were so old the chocolate had turned white at the edges. When her telephone rang, I wandered into the backyard and crawled behind a row of hedges. In the soft mulch, I buried my doll and walked away. My mother never noticed that it was gone, but then it barely seemed that she acknowledged my father being gone either. She never cried. She stood stiff-backed through my father's funeral. She sat across from me at the kitchen table that I still sometimes set with a third place for my father as we gradually ate our way through chip beef casserole and mac and cheese and franks sympathy platters from my father's colleagues and neighbors who hoped food could make up for the fact that they didn't know what to say. When a robust, healthy 42-year-old dies of a massive heart attack, the grieving family is suddenly contagious. Come too close, and you might catch our bad luck. Six months after my father died, my mother, still stoic, took his suits and shirts out of the closet they shared and brought them to Goodwill. She asked the liquor store for boxes, and she packed away the biography that he'd been reading, which had been on the nightstand all this time, and his pipe and his coin collection. She didn't pack away his Abbott and Costello videos, although she always had told my father that she never really understood what made them funny. My mother carried these boxes to the attic, a place that seemed to trap clusterflies and heat. On her third trip up, she didn't come back. Instead, what floated downstairs was a silly, fizzy refrain piped through the speakers of an old record player. I couldn't understand all the words, but it had something to do with a witch doctor telling someone how to win the heart of a girl. Ooh, ee, ooh, ah, ah, ting, tang, walla, walla, bing, bang, I heard. It made a laugh bubble up in my chest, and since I hadn't laughed all that much lately, I hurried to the source. When I stepped into the attic, I found my mother weeping. This record, she said, playing it over again. It made him so happy. I knew better than to ask why then she was sobbing. Instead, I curled up beside her and listened to the song that had finally given my mother permission to cry. Every life has a soundtrack.